Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Big game tonight for the Coyotes back home at Mullet Arena continuing, well, ending actually their three-game homestand before they head back out on the road for another week or so. But the home cooking's been real, real good to the Coyotes. Tonight's hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs and what I'm sure will be another packed house and another really exciting environment. And joining us right now for his weekly visit here on the Burns and Gambo Show with Tim Ring filling in for Gambo today. We're talking to Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Bill, how you doing? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that stuff. How have you been? Excellent. You know, when you're winning at home, everything's good. <laughs> I would, I would, I would imagine it is. And, and look, I, I know, Bill, we've had you on dozens of times, and we've talked about that arena dozens of times. It does yeah. feel like, with the success that you're having there, that it, it is it is turning into like a real thing, like a real advantage for you, that teams are coming in and just having a hard time adapting to what is this unique environment. Is this Has this now kind of morphed into a real advantage for this organization? I think it has. It's been a great. Um, it's been a great environment in there, and I think the players and the other teams are standing around trying to figure out where they are. And we usually get the first two in on them quick. So, um, but it, but it's been really a, a good environment. Our fans have been outstanding, and you know, you know, even the opposing fans in there, they bring energy into the building, and our fans are chanting against their fans, and it's just. It's been a, a really great environment. I, I've had so many compliments of people going in there. I mean, your view from where you sit, you're so close to the ice. It's incredible. Um, and tonight it's just going to be a, a massive game between us and the Leafs. You're going to see Austin Matthews, the hometown, the homegrown. The Leafs probably the best player in the National Hockey League right now, and they're probably the hottest team in the National Hockey League. And uh, I know we're looking forward to that game, and uh, it's going to be a battle. Yeah, we all are, Bill. In fact, Dave and I need 20 tickets for tonight. If you could leave them at will call uh, <laughs> under Dave Burns, that would that would be great. Hey, you guys, thanks, Bill, appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, pre- thank hey, thanks in advance, Bill. Really appreciate it. Hey, Any, anytime. <laughs> Just go to the will call. They'll be waiting for you, boys. No worries. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it, love it. Hey, you know, Bill, you mentioned the, the Leafs are one of the best teams in the NHL. Given the way that you guys perform against the elite teams, that's probably a good yeah. thing. And we talked to Lawson Kraus about this the other day. What is it about the better teams that brings out the best, at least lately, in the Arizona Coyotes coming off a win over the defending champs, uh, the Colorado Avalanche? That's a great question. I, I, I think when we go in there to, to play teams like that, it's a great test. And listen, we're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, we're in the middle of a rebuild. So sometimes for us, it's small victories. And we can go up the be- against the best teams in the National Hockey League and steal two points. It's a great thing for, for us. And it shows that when we're, you know, the process behind the scenes from our eating to our working out after games to all, all the stuff that our coaches do from load management to, you know, preaching teaching, you know, and how to score and all these little things. They're small victories for us as an organization, but you can see that our guys are just, you know, in there fighting. And, you know, we've got Nick Schmoltz back in the lineup now. We've got Jacob Chikram back in the lineup. And, you know, you know that, that unit together, our top line with, you know, Chikram and Ghost, 
and you watch them out in the uh, out on the ice. I mean, there are times we dominate some of the best teams in the league. So um, it's just been a good environment inside the arena, and a, and a, and a great effort from, from our team with great execution against the best teams, and uh, it's been fun to watch. Bill Armstrong, our guest here, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, are taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. You'll hear that game right here on Arizona Sports. Let's talk about Kraus for a minute. 14 goals in 32 games. He's on a nice pace for the season. We did have him on a couple of days ago. Talking about that five-year contract extension he got during the offseason, obviously there was mutual belief, kind of him in the direction of the organization, you in the direction of him, and I would imagine that's been a very wise investment for the organization so far. Uh, he was key for us, you know, just getting that contract done, you know, it, it sent a message to the rest of the league that, listen, this is one of the guys we're anchoring in with. This is one of the guys that we believe is part of our core and that we can win a championship with. And I think Krauser, you know, his credit is he's all in as a coyote. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to be here. He wanted to stick out the rebuild and get on the other side of it. Um, and, you know, those are the guys that you just love. He, he fights every night for us, and he's found a, he's found a home with him and Bukestead and Michelle or Carconi on that line and he's just been a solid player for us from the get-go. Comes to play every single night, ultimate team guy so he's uh, uh, it's been a big contract and a big signing for us. You know, Bill, not only a great matchup tonight but again, you mentioned Austin Matthews. I want to follow up on on our local guy here. As a yep. GM and a, a born scout like all GMs are, what's the scouting report on Matthews? How do you evaluate him? You call him one of the best, if not the best players in the National Hockey Hockey League to d- d- define or describe him as a player as he gets older and stronger and more experienced and presumably even better. Yeah, he, he's, he just, he's, he's great to watch. He's probably one of the most elite shooters in the game. Um, and, and the thing that you love about Austin is he works on his game. You know, in the summer, he's always trying to master new shots. He's into new training. He's always pushing the envelope. But every seems every season, he gets a little bit better, you know. And obviously, in Toronto, it's a, it's a huge hockey market, and they're under a lot of pressure, you know, to win in the playoffs. And I felt like every year he's made strides, you know, to lead his club and do a better job of, of not only being – a great player, but a player that, that, that the organization can win with. So, um, and, and Arizona should be proud. He's a hometown kid, and, and uh, he's just an elite player in the NHL. And uh, you know, he's uh, he really for, for us in the state of Arizona, it's uh, it's somebody you get excited because he, he he's attracted you know kids to, to hockey in the state, and it's a, it's a great thing. Yeah, you had mentioned earlier, you know, that the, the building itself, you know, for the Coyote fans, but also for the Opposing fans, the energy that it provides. I gotta imagine for a, a night like tonight, given how intimate the venue is, and given that his local ties are so strong, I mean, it's it's gonna be one of those nights there. I would think, right? There's gonna be a ton of Austin Matthews fans there. I would think. Oh, it's it's going to be an explosive environment tonight inside that building, and uh, you know I know our team's just looking forward to that challenge to play one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, and then you also add Austin being a local boy coming to town, he's going to want to put on a show, and uh, we're hopefully stop him from doing that, but uh, it'll be hard. Uh, I, I don't know if he can stop him, maybe he can just contain him, but um, you know he, he's somebody that uh, just bring he's going to bring some energy into that building tonight. It's, it's going to be a huge test for for us. Yeah, Bill. Hey, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Uh, best of luck tonight against Toronto and then the uh, upcoming road trip as well. We'll talk to you real soon, okay? 
Absolutely. Just get the will call. Demand those tickets. Yeah, thanks, right? Bill. Demand those tickets. Yep. Those 20 tickets will be there for you. Yeah, we're dropping your name, buddy. You are on the hook. <laughs> one, of these, one of these days, I am going to show up to will call, and I am going to give them my name, and they better be there. That's all I'm saying. All 20 of them. Uh, I'll take two. I'm just saying. They better on, be there, Bill. On the, on the glass, too, buddy boy. <laughs> on the buddy. Yeah, you guys are demanding. Don't worry. We'll take care of you. <laughs> thanks, Bill. We appreciate it. Oh, uh, good stuff. Good thanks, all right, take care, guys. That's the thing. Right. In a building like that, you don't... I mean, being on the glass is great. There's you don't, nothing, even need, you don't, even you don't need really to, need to no. be on the glass. You could be in the top row. Right? I mean, seriously, you could be in the worst seat in the building, yeah. and you're going to be closer than you've probably ever been in your life to... I, 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 we, I say this a lot. I really have to get out there to watch a game. I ha- it hasn't happened yet. They've spent a lot of their season on the road so far. They haven't played that many home games so far. I think nine or ten. There haven't been many opportunities. I, 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 re- I am really eager to go. Because, the, you know, you did all those avalanche pre- and post-game shows. Hockey Live is very few things come close to the fun of that. And I got to imagine in a building like that, the uniqueness of it is just, it's too much, right? You know, it's funny. Football, we were talking about you know going to the Fiesta Bowl and the, the weighing back and forth. You know, do you watch it on TV or go out to the game? It's in your backyard. But, you know, sometimes football really lends itself to the television experience. Hockey is one of those sports that is just way better in person. Yeah. It, it, not that it's not watchable on television, but it is a way better sport to 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 consume, if you will, in person. And yeah, when I was working for the Avalanche and doing all those pre and post game shows, we we did them live there at uh, it was Pepsi Center at the time, and the Avalanche were were on their run and you know winning Stanley Cups and and going far in the playoffs. Burnsy they sold out every night. Their sellout streak went on for years, mm-hmm. and that building was jumping. They were far more popular than the Nuggets during that run. Far more in town. And it was something. It was really cool. Yeah, really cool. That game starts at 7 o'clock tonight. Speaking of college football, if you're headed to the college football semifinal at State Farm Stadium, get the party started at the College Football Hall of Fame free tailgate starting at 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Music, food, beverages, special guests will make this tailgate party memorable. Admission is free, 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn, Sportsman's Park on New Year's Eve day. When we come back, they just signed him to a contract contract extension not even six or eight months ago are people talking about moving on that's next on the burns and gambo show burns and gambo afternoons on arizona sports the local sports leader The Gambo Show, of course, um, we talked about it a couple segments ago. The story out of Vegas, Derek Carr has been sent home. He's the, the, the Raiders at least want to give themselves financial flexibility, get off the contract, maybe move on from him, trade him, cut him, whatever. I mean, he signed a contract extension, you know, not even a year ago, less than a year ago. One that pays him like $117 million, but they've left themselves kind of this option to get out of it after a year if they wanted. There's only like a five and a half million dollar dead cap hit if they were to move on from Derek Carr. Now, this is not going to be a Derek Carr conversation. We've already had one of those today uh, because we're not all that interested in what's going on with the Vegas Raiders. But I will tell you, there was a tweet today. And honestly, 
of a lot of people I follow on Twitter, he's probably one of my favorites because he's usually very insightful. It's Andrew Brandt. He used to be a front office executive with the Packers. Sure. He used to be an agent. Uh, he teaches sports law classes at Villanova. He's a really, really smart guy who understands the business of sports. I found him to be a really good follow on Twitter. He tweeted something this morning, and I thought this could be a good jumping off point for us to have a conversation about this. He wrote, it usually takes a lot longer than six months after the deal is done for fans and media to ask the question, when can the teams get out of those contracts? Hearing slash seeing this regarding Carr, regarding Wilson, and regarding Murray. Life moves fast. And I saw that and I thought, huh. He included Kyler in that. He included Kyler in that. And I thought, okay, we need to talk about that a little bit. Because Carr, I get it. I think I said yesterday, if I'm a, if I'm a Vegas Raiders fan, I want to know, how do we get out of this? How do we get out of this with minimal damage? In case he's not the guy and I want to move on to the next guy, how do I get from here to there in the most efficient, economical manner possible, right? If I'm a Broncos fan, Mitch Vereldis, our producer, he's a diehard Broncos fan. I can't imagine he's super thrilled about the concept about paying Russell Wilson a quarter of a billion dollars over the next five years, right? I, I, like, When can we get out of this with the minimal amount of damage? damage are we there with our fans there with kyler are we are are we in orbit of there you know what i mean like how close to there are we when it comes to kyler where raiders fans might be with Carr or broncos fans might be with russell are you there no no not at all russell wilson's like 10 years older than kyler just about nine that's a huge difference when you're having this conversation. Because mm-hmm. people in Seattle thought Russell Wilson was washed last year. Pete Carroll thought Russell Wilson was washed. John Schneider did. That's why they wanted a, a divorce, to move on. The Broncos make that trade. They throw a bunch of money at him that they didn't have to. And guess what? Russell Wilson looked washed in Denver. Very. Right? Washed. So that's why Bronco, Bronco fans are going, oh my God, what... You know, what have we done? This is guys. This is not the Russell Wilson that that took his team to multiple Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. What, 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 my God, what have we done? What have we done? Kyler Murray's twenty five years old. Now it's been rough. There has been regression. He has not played even prior to the injury. Yeah, obviously prior to the injury, like he did in the first seven games last year. And when he came back, and the Cardinals were ten and two. Don't Cardinal fans... Now, you might be tired of Kyler's attitude. You might be tired of the way Kyler goes about his business, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But is anybody really ready to give up on Kyler Murray, the football player? I don't want to speak in broad terms. I'm sure there are some that are. I'm sure. But generally speaking, isn't maybe the sentiment that Kyler Murray needs new direction, Needs a new front office, needs a new voice in his ear, needs a new offense, needs a new head coach, needs a new offensive coordinator to try to get him back on track, try to get that head right. Because I don't know how you play like an MVP candidate for seven weeks without having the ability to play like an MVP candidate. Sure, sure. I, I mean, like, he, he, that wasn't smoke and mirrors. That, 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 it's in there somewhere no, with him. But, but it was. When he's got the talent and he's got the game plan and he's got his head on right. 
But the it was ability- also just seven games. It was, it, you know, I mean, and sometimes I think about this a lot, actually. When That's we think fair. Of, when we think about the whole Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray era. That's fair. Sometimes I think to myself, man, how much of this was built on seven games? A 7-0 and start. How, how much did 7-0 and get Cliff a contract extension, get Steve a contract extension, get Kyler a contract extension? You know, I mean, it was just seven games, right? And I know Kyler played well, well beyond the, just seven games, but those seven games, sometimes I feel like they dramatically skewed our perspective on how good this all could be. They never should have gotten any of those three a contract extension. It's, that should not have happened. That's almost a different conversation. That yeah. shouldn't have happened. And you're right, it's only seven games. It's a very small sample size. But that quarterback looked like a bona fide MVP candidate. Sure he did, yeah. He looked fantastic when he had weapons and he had, I don't know, he had a coach he could believe in and trust at the time, and maybe the coach was doing a better job at that. I, I, I don't know, but for whatever reason, it ain't working between Kyler and Cliff. And I'll go back to that ESPN.com article. I'll go back to Kyler Murray swearing at his head coach. I yeah. mean, this, this relationship has deteriorated in step with Kyler's play deteriorating. And I... I I, I'm just not. I, I mean, getting back to the crux of the discussion, I'm just not ready to give up on Kyler Murray yet. I want. I want to see. I want to see him with some new leadership in yeah. the front office and on the sidelines. Neither am I. But I'll, I'll. I'll say this, and I'm being totally honest when I say this. I. I. I feel like most of the time, I kind of have my finger on the, on on the general pulse of how people feel about this. I feel the same way about Kyler as you do. I. I there is a. There is a time for saying I'm ready to move on, and I'm nowhere near there. I am very ready to see Kyler with a different cast around him, different leadership, a different level of accountability, a different level of coaching, whatever phrase you want to use, a different a different voice in his head guiding him. Okay, that that's I'm very ready for that. Very very ready for that. But I honestly don't know if how I feel is the same way the guy in Tempe listening to us right now feels, or the guy in Gilbert right now listening to us, right? Like, this is one of those ones where I think if we put a hundred Cardinal fans in this room, we might be surprised by, by how many of them are ready to go, you know what? I've seen enough, ready to move on. I, I, think, I think we might actually be a little surprised by how many people would say that. I would say that's a great, that's a great way to put it. You put a hundred Cardinal fans in a room, I would say 25 of them are like, done. I'm done with that guy. He's too short. His attitude stinks. He can't stay healthy. I'm done with Kyler Murray. They're never going anywhere with Kyler Murray. 25 out of 100 Cardinal fans would think that way. And that's okay. And they may end up being totally right. Because I see signs of that myself. I would say you have 50 of them that think like you and me. Like there's something there. He just needs new direction. Yeah. And then you have 25 that are somewhere... I was going to say, where are those 25? They're lost in the middle. Are, are, are those, are they, okay, so they're in the... They don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> they're like the bots on Twitter. <laughs> I was going to say, are the other 25 firmly, totally like, oh, no, he's the guy, absolutely, man, worth every penny, so glad we did it. Yeah, maybe they're them. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I think that group of our 100 Cardinal fans would be the smallest. 
I, th- I, I, don't, there think, might I be don't know if there's 25 of them. There might be 15 of them that Kyler's freaking great. And all he needs is a new this or that, and he's fantastic. I love that guy. Kyler Murray's MVP candidate all the way. Yeah. He's got a bad he's got bad luck. And, and I, I tell you, the only reason I bring this up, really, truly, and, and I'm not trying to you know build a statue to Andrew Brandt on the show or anything. I like him, but I was genuinely surprised when I saw him include Kyler in that tweet. You know, like, Carr? Okay, I get it. Carr's been there a while. Wilson, to your point about his age, I get it. You can make an argument that he is washed up. I was genuinely surprised to see Kyler included in a conversation about... But who's talking about getting out of Kyler's contract? Why would Brent include Murray in that? Like, he's talking about people... It's usually, I'm assuming he's getting some sort of feedback from people in this echo chamber of Twitter who were kind of suggesting to him, not people in the know, just fans kind of fed up with how things have gone, wondering when they can get off a contract that the ink is barely dry on. I, I, I don't think he... I think Andrew Brandt is good enough at what he does to not randomly include yeah. Kyler Murray. I mean, I, I, I think there's a method behind why he chose to include Kyler Murray. And that, I don't know. And I know it's just a tweet. It just, it just really got me thinking, like, man, that was quick. We there? That's where we are? When it comes to, because I'm not there. If, I'm not even close to there. If Kyler Murray has a new coach and a new front office next year, and there's not discernible progress in his style of play, and then 2024 is also not much better, we got we got major problems here. Oh yeah, I, I don't Expensive know. Expensive problems. I don't. I don't know how that looks then at that point. Yeah, because I I got to tell you this before we hit the break. I am a little worried about Kyler Murray. I still think it's in there. But I'm a hell of a lot more worried now than I was on December 2nd of last oh, year when they beat the Bears. 100%. Do not, if you're listening to us right now, do not interpret our comments as, hey, everything's fine. Everything's oh, yeah. great. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm worried. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. And I, I'm, <laughs> it's very important to see who the next voice in his head is going to be. Is it going to be the same voice? Is it going to be a different voice? Who is that voice? That is a very, very important question. Texas, your thoughts on the card? Cardinals and Kyler, the FanDuel text line, it's there waiting for you at 620-620. The Suns, they have had their fair share of struggles. The road ahead gets a lot tougher. This might be the most challenging part of the James Jones, Monty Williams era. We'll break it down with Suns guru Kellen Olsen. He'll join us next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with, uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Kellen's a busy guy writing for ArizonaSports.com. He was on the morning show today. He was filling in on the midday show today. The players like him. The players like he's got him. A, he's got a sponsor. <laughs> he's, big, he's big time. This guy's big time, man. I'm looking just to book him. I've, I, so I've been here seven years, but I like to think I hold the record for triple threats so far where I've done all three shows. I, I think I've done it like 15, 20 times at this point now. Oh, I'm pretty guessing. sure you hold the record for triple threat. Yeah. I would I would, I would, would think so. I would think you're there. Triple threat position. Yeah. Always, hey, that time always, of year, baby. Let's talk basketball. Always got to be there. Before we do, real quick, mm-hmm. Tim just flashed his monitor at me, and it and it, it it triggered a memory real quick. I, I, 
That's I, really, I just moved it over so I, I could see Kellen. No, but, but, but there was something on your monitor, monitor that I meant to ask Kellen about because I know as passionate he, as he is about covering the NBA, there's another topic that he's also very passionate about. And we haven't mentioned it yet. Pele passed away today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, that and, happened and, during and, our show. Yeah, so let's yeah. six, 60 seconds on. And I know he deserves a lot more than that. Yeah. But because we're here to talk sons, but I know you being an aficionado of a sport that, that, that doesn't really register with me, I still know how big of a deal Pele is when it comes yeah. to international sport. I, I'm just more of a soccer fan than anything. I would I would not go as far to say uh, aficionado, but his his passing, I, the Associated Press worded it really beautifully where they kind of called him the trailblazer of what is referred to as the beautiful game because when you watched tape of him and highlights of him, the way that he played played the sport, the reason why I love soccer so much is that to me it's, it's the most like aesthetically pleasing when you watch it. Like you just watch like a 60 yard pass that slices through the entire defense or you watch a guy like Pele dribble around four guys and score like it's just beautiful to watch and and he was really the guy that um, the people who really know it and really know the sport well and, and documented his career back then they said he was the guy who changed the sport forever and you think about the global impact that soccer has had for sure. one guy to undeniably have changed it more than anyone else I think AP also phrased him as like one of the most important athletes of the past century like that is not a claim that many guys can hold, but he can for sure. He was he was a legend, and if we weren't in this age of Ronaldo and Messi right now, he would be thought of as the greatest of all time. A lot of people still refer to him as the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. A, a legend, not just in soccer, not just in Brazil, but just like in, in sport in general. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I, re- I remember when uh, when Pele, uh, a little bit like when the younger fans will remember when David Beckham came over and played for L.A. It was in trying, New York, yeah. Yeah, the Pele came and played for the New York Cosmos as an attempt to bring soccer immense popularity. Uh, in the United States. So anyway, all right, uh, Kellen. Uh, so the Suns last night. It, it, it's, it's remarkable coming off the Grizzlies win where they where they showed such great tenacity and they they beat a Grizzlies team that had just beaten them pretty pretty good four days earlier. But you go to the Wizards and I know it's the second half of a back to back, but Bradley Beal doesn't play and the Wizards hand it right back to the Suns and run run them up off the court. And I, I guess the way they look at it, the way I look at it now, and I don't know how you do, but in the wake of the Devin Booker injury, I think we should prepare ourselves for a lot of nights where we just don't know what we're going to get out of this team. And there mm-hmm. are going to be nights where they surprise you and they get a W that maybe you don't see coming. And there's going to be nights where it's not all that pretty and, and, and they're going to take one on the chin like last night. Yeah, it's not even expecting the unexpected. It's just going in not knowing what to expect on a night-to-night basis. Like if you look at last night and kind of simplify it to three core things, one of them being Chris Paul. Mikael Bridges and DeAndre all played well in the same game. That has not happened enough this year, but it happened in this game. They shot 42% from three as a team. Those two things pretty add up well, but the third one is they scored 102 points still, and that just doesn't, those two things don't add up to the third one, but that's just how shorthanded they are as a team right now, so when you have that type of offensive effort, which was good, not great, and combine it with a bad or or awful defensive effort, in my opinion, against a Wizards team like that to give up the amount of consistent like there are some nights when a team scores 125 on you and they had like this 40 four-point court a quarter where every shot went in, and you kind of go, okay, whatever, and you held them pretty well in other senses, but the Wizards were all over them in every single quarter. Even in that third quarter when the Suns got within one, it just took that stretch at the end of the third quarter that tailed into the start of the fourth quarter, and then the game was over again. So yeah. it, it just hasn't been... Uh, 
easy and, and and you shouldn't really try to be honest to try and go into each game and look for what to expect in terms of the overall end product but I think we know more than ever now who we're looking at specifically to focus on who's going to determine like what that end product is the defensive slippage to me and, and you wrote you wrote a game story at Arizona sports.com but you also wrote kind of your big picture overarching story about you know what exactly the Suns are going to do about this Devin Booker list kind of stretch they're going through right now the loss of Jay Crowder defensively is uh, they have it's almost it, just as much of it was a shock to watch them play good defense when Monty and James first came here it's equally as shocking to watch them play as bad a defense as they've played over the last couple of months it has been completely knocked off its axis and I agree with you that that seems to be a function of not having Jay Crowder out there given how much of a connector he was defensively I don't know how you can look at the two so the two elements of this team that are missing compared to last year are just their defensive consistency and then their edge. Those two things are have dropped off a cliff. And those, if it, what are the two things that Jay Crowder brings to a team? His, his defensive leadership, his intangibles there, but then his edge, his toughness. So I don't know how you can look at those two things together and not say that Jay Crowder's absence has impacted them in some ways. Now, I don't think it is the sole or even the number one reason why those two things have dropped off, but they clearly miss him in, in, in that department. And, and that's where you look back on them not trading him and we're still at the point where they haven't traded him and, and that's all well and fine but they never replaced him w- w- with anyone and and look Cam Johnson was in a direct position to come in and start that's fine Toy Craig has been pretty great Mikel Bridges is Mikel Bridges but at the end of the day you just look at not replacing at all a core top six guy of your team and I think it was it was foolish for for myself included three four weeks into the season to be like oh yeah like they don't even miss Jay Crowder even looking at the stat lineups of Tory Craig and Jay Crowder next to each other and being like yeah see they don't miss Jay Crowder at all I, Eventually, no matter the player, as long as they were good and productive and important to your team like Jay was the last two years, if you're talking about a top three, four, five, six guy, seven guy, and you don't replace him at all, it will catch up to you eventually. And unfortunately for the Suns, it's catching up to them right now while they're missing a lot of guys. Yeah, and then it's compounded, Kellen, when you have injuries to other guys like Cam and Cam and now Devin Booker. And I thought you wrote a good article the other day uh, talking about some off-season moves, or maybe a lack of off-season moves, and mm-hmm. Crowder's included in that, because they have not done anything to replace him yet. And, again, Damian Lee and Josh Kogi, all, all that's fine, but, you know, when the attrition happens on the roster like this, you're, you're kind of getting exposed, and, and, and some of those guys are fine in short spurts, but the more they play, the you know, the, mo- the more difficulty you can have, you know, trying to stay in, sustain wins against some of the better teams in the league. So the question is now, you know where does James Jones go with this roster, and how quickly does he does he do it? Because that's really the million dollar question right now. What what's going to happen here in the next four weeks? You know, you put some you put some possibilities out there. What do you think? I think they need to make two moves. I think there's a smaller scale move that makes more sense to happen now, just with the benefits that they would get over the next month, six weeks, as opposed to waiting six weeks for the trade deadline. Looking for a guard, looking for more offensive pop off the bench. You look at like what the we see Dwayne Washington come in and have one of those nights like he did in Memphis, and it's such a breath of fresh air to have the guy who is yes, like taking the ill-advised heat check. The guy that is just whenever he gets the ball, he is trying to score and he is trying to get to the rim. They're really missing that part of their team off the bench specifically that type of spark plug offensively and I think there's something there for them to get on, on the shorter scale um, and then of, of course on the larger scale I think that they need a scoring wing and I think they need one who, who really is a guy who you talk about as a potential all-star I really do 
think that that's the type of impact that they need. And that, of course, is a more difficult trade to come. That's probably not something that's going to come until the trade deadline, if it does come at all. But this, again, goes back to what I wrote about, which is this was stuff we were talking about in the offseason. And I know I'm saying this, and some people are saying, like, man, that's a lot to get done before the trade deadline. Yes, which is why they should have gotten some of it done in the offseason. Off yes. And yes. that was the entire point of what I wrote, which is, like, it has caught up to them now. It has caught up to them with what they didn't do last offseason, unless James Jones pulls off a miracle here and gets all of it done right here, which is really, it is so much harder to get a trade done in February than it is in June. It is remarkably harder. There's, there's such a fine line between patience and inactivity, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and it's and walking that line, towing that line, knowing when to pull the trigger, when not. One last thing for you before we let you go. is I, I think I know how you're going to answer this based off of what I know you've written. Is this the biggest challenge that Monty and James have faced since they took over this organization? I, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. In some ways, it was the finals and winning the finals. I think that that was probably the biggest challenge just because of the stakes involved and just especially with the 2-0 lead that they had and how it was kind of like, okay, we're up ahead of them, but we can't. Like we're we're so close, we got to focus up and just find it. And, and that there was probably a bigger challenge. But in terms of roster building, team building, and all that kind of stuff, yes. Because if you think about the two biggest trades that James Jones has made in like this Monty Williams era, there's the Chris Paul trade, which was uh, at the time was debated, but more or less like a no brainer from a team building perspective. And then the Landry Shamit trade, which didn't really work out that well. So we haven't really seen that huge move, that huge kind of risk, and that's kind of more or less what fans are asking for is that type of big move where it could backfire on the team, but I think they are in a position to take a risk, and that's why Kyle Kuzma is playing the best basketball of his life. He was coming off of a down year in in the summer, and I was even still kind of saying crazy things like give up two first-round picks for him, and now it seems like you you are going to have to give up two first-round picks for him anyway with the way that he's been playing lately. Uh, It is is up there in the challenges for sure, and I think from from a trade market, signings, like that kind of thing, it it is the biggest challenge they face. Kellen, good stuff. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I would give up two first-round picks for Kuzma. Uh, uh, to me, the time is now. The, yeah. the Chris Paul window the, the strike now. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. Mr. Ishbia, can we sign another guy to an expensive contract, please? <laughs> I, know, I know technically you don't own the team yet, but please, pretty please, pretty, pretty please. I'm sure, pretty sure Mr. Ishbia wants to win now, too. I, I, I think I, he wants to win I, right I, now. So, Kellen, uh, appreciate the time, as always, and we'll have you uh, tomorrow. You're yes, filling see in you on tomorrow. the Gambo show. Big seat to fill over there well, for Mr. I, Tim I, right I, that's, now. The, he's... So, come on, I'm the backup. <laughs> I'm the backup to the backup. <laughs> Kellen, uh, we appreciate it as always. You got it. Kellen Olson, Suns Insider, Suns Guru from ArizonaSports.com, and uh, fill in host here at the station as well. When we come back, there's a big event coming up this weekend here in the Valley, and one of us here in this room knows all about it. Everything you would need to know about it. TCU, Michigan. The winner goes to the championship game. We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. They're fiesta. and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Timbering is in for Gambo today. Tomorrow, Tim will be filling in on the morning show. Kellen's going to be filling in here on the Burns and Gambo show. And uh, Tim burning the candle on both ends because today he spent most of the morning uh, hosting a really uh, not of a uh, one and only type thing, but really not too many people have done this sort of broadcast that you were involved with today. The Verbo Fiesta Bowl basically building an online show around media day for yeah. the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. It today. was their their maiden voyage. Uh, it was a live show built around media day. It was actually two separate shows. Usually the teams butt up their media availability on media day together. For example, TCU would go from say eight to nine and then Michigan would go from nine to ten or you know whatever how it breaks down. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh changed it on the Fiesta Bowl and said we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do our media day at noon. Uh, thanks Jim. <laughs> you know and as as everybody knows, in college football, the coach is king. Yes, so what is. the kid, what the coach of the king says, everybody else jumps. King um, Jim speaks, and it'll be it'll so, be at that certain time. So yes. we did two shows. We did a TCU show for about ninety minutes at eight thirty in the morning. Then we did a Michigan show at noon, and it was great. Sarah Cazell, our own Sarah Cazell, and our own Max Starks were all part of it as well. And we we streamed it. It was live streamed globally. Um, <laughs> But we, we, we believe a lot of people in Texas, the, the fans of TCU, and a lot of people back in Michigan. Sure, sure. And obviously Michigan's a national brand, so we think a lot of people around the country tuned in uh, to watch uh, Media Day. And it was uh, all the all the press conferences. Sarah had a lot of great interviews uh, with a lot of players from both Michigan and TCU. And Max had some analysis about the game. Uh, and that was great. And I just kind of got people to I, – I, I was Tom Brady. I got the ball where it needed to be. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're not you're as tall, not as good looking. the point guard. Yeah, yeah you're just – <laughs> your distributor out there, you handing off here, handing off there. It's I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I and, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a fan of the Fiesta Bowl and that I was basically born and raised on it. But I, and any time they've got the semifinal game, the championship game, not to diminish the other ones or the other moments, and certainly you know the role of the Fiesta Bowl is really going to change when the college football playoffs expands, right? I, I mean that because that'll be they'll be the home to one of those quote unquote playoff games building up sure. to the others. But this year it is a semifinal game. TCU, Michigan, the winner will take on the winner of Georgia and Ohio State being played in the Peach Bowl and the national championship game. And and it's it's I think it's gonna be a, a I think it's gonna be a lot of fun just because for a couple reasons. I mean, number one, it's Sonny Dykes, so you know it's it's and and that quarterback went over the hearts and minds of a lot of people in that Big Twelve championship game. He was a good player, incredible to watch that game against K State and what they did and how he left it all out there. And for Michigan, the real renaissance under Jim Harbaugh it wasn't always easy. And these last couple of years under Harbaugh, he's he's got them back to that point where it didn't look like they were going to be. Able able to get there because they kept running into that Ohio State roadblock every year. Well, that's the thing. You know, Harbaugh, it's his, uh, it's his eighth year, and people seem to think that it was a failure the first six years. It, it, well, he wasn't, it wasn't a failure. He won a lot of games, but he couldn't beat Ohio State. He couldn't win the Big Ten, and clearly, obviously, he wasn't going to playoffs. But the record wasn't that bad. But there was a breakthrough into the upper echelon now in these last couple of years. So Michigan's back in the college football playoff for the second consecutive year. Now, didn't go that well last year. 
Uh, Georgia ate their lunch, right? And they went home early. Expectations are different now. They're favored to beat TCU. Doesn't mean they will, but Michigan's expectations now, maybe they expected to beat Georgia last year, but the rest of us knew better. Their expectations now are they're going to play in the national championship game, and a lot of people think that they will. Jim Harbaugh was really good today at Media Day. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's dad, Jack Harbaugh, was a football coach. Sonny Dykes' dad, Spike Dykes, was a football coach. They grew up in this environment, and they they feel blessed uh, to do so. But you talk about contrasting styles, Dave. Sonny Dykes is a Mike Leach protege. They throw the football. Mm -hmm. Nobody has more plays of 50 yards or more in college football than TCU. Max Duggan is a Heisman finalist for a reason. Quinton Johnson, their big wide receiver, is going to be a top 10 draft pick. All right, so they want to chuck it. Michigan, straight Bo Simbeckler, baby. <laughs> they run it. They run it, and they pound the bejesus out of you. Yeah. And even with Blake Corum, their great running back out, uh, Donovan Edwards is there. He's He started two games. He's gone for over 200 and three touchdowns in both games that he's he's replaced uh, Corum in. So they 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 kill you in time of possession. They have a top five defense. They don't turn the football over. Like they're top five in the country in all these categories. So it's that classic Michigan style of football that Harbaugh played, not only himself at Michigan, but also the way he coached at Stanford and the way he coached at San Francisco. Yeah. It is a classic Jim Harbaugh team, but Sonny Dykes and those guys, they want to throw it. So which style of football is going to come out of this game victorious? To me, that makes it... Listen, we haven't had a lot of great competitive semifinal games. Well, and that's just, and that's, we may have one here on Saturday awesome. in, our own, in our own backyard. That's exactly where I was going to go with this, is that the history of these games, and I don't mean Fiesta Bowls, I just mean these college football semifinals, is that it's it's it's... Very rarely much of a game, you know? And, no. and so it's, it's, Gambo and I have this running joke about how he's got to have somebody to root for at all times, and I'm just rooting for a good game. More than ever, I mean, I really don't have a rooting interest between TCU and Michigan. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike either program. I, I just desperately want a good game. I want, I mean, if I'm getting greedy, I want two good games because we just, that, it, it, it has failed to deliver on that promise year after year after year. And I'm, I'm kind of low-key secretly thinking that this one might be able to deliver in part because of the contrasting styles that you talk about. It's going to be two very different teams out there doing their thing. Georgia may very well blow out Ohio State. Michigan may, may very well win comfortably tomorrow. Part of the problem, you've had so many lopsided semifinal games, is that in the playoff era, Alabama, and to a certain extent Clemson, have been so far above the rest of college football. I mean, Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl beat Ohio State. People talk about Ohio State in the upper echelon, and they should, if you if you want to be real about it. Sure. Clemson beat Ohio State 31 nothing in a Fiesta Bowl semifinal a few years ago. Yeah. That's how much better Clemson and Alabama have been over the competition. So when Alabama plays a 1-4 game, come on. Right. I mean, I mean the, the Huskies took, took it on the chin. Notre Dame took it on the chin. Cincinnati took it on the chin. I mean, it's like they're playing with their food in that 1-4 game. <laughs> you so know? You, so the, the thought is, no Clemson, no Alabama. 
Well, maybe that's kind of the I, and I, Georgia's outstanding, but maybe they, that's they a little are, bit of a leveler. You know, a, that's a, a little bit of an equalizer well, when it comes to this. Not only not only the fact that they're not here, it's just that I think other teams in college football are catching up, or maybe they're coming back to the pack a yeah. little bit. And clearly, they're not even there, so they're obviously coming back to the pack uh, to a certain extent. But I just seen. I think the parody's not great. Don't kid yourself. It's still a very top heavy sport, but the parody. I think it's expanded from maybe two dominant teams to now maybe three to four that I would have an opportunity to win a national championship. The two semifinals are on Saturday, and normally, you know, it being New Year's Eve day, that has been in the past a problem, but you brought up a good point. Uh, a lot of times those games have been played middle of the week, New Year's Eve. This is Saturday, New Year's Eve, which might just bring a different element to all of it. And the Fiesta Bowl is the first one. Two o'clock. And then the Peach Bowl is the, is the second o'clock. one on Saturday. Looking forward to it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we are at the turn. It's four o'clock, which means it's time to hit the reset button on the show. Time for all the top stories of the day in sports. The four o'clock reset is next. Burns and Gambo.